Hello, everybody. This is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. And I want to thank everybody for joining me. You can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. And this podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigmas associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And also, today's uh, episode is going to be brought to you by FHE Health, which is a substance abuse and mental health treatment center specializing in treatment for the first responders' needs, including PTSD, anxiety, and substance use. Take the first steps to a better life today by visiting FHEHealth.com. So today, what I want to talk about is something I get asked quite a bit about, and that is, am I an alcoholic? Do I need to go to treatment? Oftentimes, it's from family or friends, and they are asked, uh, you know, about their their spouse's drinking. Um, they wonder about their spouse's drinking or loved one's drinking, and they want to know, do they need to get help? Is this a problem? Is this just a phase? Or is this something that they need to have treatment for? And then oftentimes, what follows up after that is, you know, what is treatment? What does that mean? Where do I go? Where do you recommend? And so on and so forth. And those are all very, very good questions. And I, I get asked it quite a bit, and I know that we've covered it on this program before, but I think it's something that we have to keep visiting because, you know, I, you know, I'm involved in this world and immersed in the in the recovery world. So sometimes I sit back and I think that everybody knows and understands the things that that I'm around. And the fact is that that we don't. And we as a society are moving um, unfortunately, more in the direction of where uh, there are certain substances that are, uh, you know, being legalized and normalized, and and we're really kind of talking out of both sides of our mouth in in society today. And that is that, you know, a we recognize that addiction is a bad thing, but b let's let's let everybody do what they want to do, and um, and and you know, really kind of normalize a lot of the behaviors that are out there. So let's discuss this a little bit, because what we're concerned about that are, you know, people that are have, that have a problem with a particular substance, and I'm, I'm talking primarily about alcohol, but everything I'm going to talk about today is not limited to alcohol, because what's important for people to understand is that addiction is addiction is addiction. You can be addicted to a lot of different things. You can be addicted to work. You can be addicted to sex to gambling, to food, to exercising too much, uh, all kinds of things. And so, and some of the things I just mentioned, you know, people think of in the society as being good things, don't they? Like, for example, exercise. Well, exercise is a good thing. And I was asked that once. I was asked, well, Mike, you, you talk about the fact that we need to exercise more, you know, and I want to exercise more, then then what's the problem? Because there are a few people that I've, I've questioned their, their exercise schedule, and they, they think that that's a healthy thing. Well, exercise is healthy. You should be doing it, particularly in early recovery. But what are we talking about? What we're talking about is if your behavior, to include exercise, if your behavior is causing problems within your primary relationships, your primary responsibilities at work with your loved ones, then it's an issue. And that's really the simple litmus test here. I mean, without getting scientific, without getting clinical, without uh, going too deep, you know, some of these questions are things that you can just ask yourself, and they're very simple. Is what I'm doing causing a problem in my life? Is it causing a problem with the people that I care about? 
Is it causing problems with my work? Am I not engaging in responsibilities that I have in my life because of the behavior that I'm engaged in, whether it be a substance or just an ab- uh, a behavior like, like exercise? And that's really the litmus test. If the answer to that is yes, then you've got a problem. For example, let's say uh, I have a commitment to go to my kid's birthday party. And I don't go to my kid's birthday party because I've got to get an eight-mile run in today. My schedule, my workout schedule says I've got to do an eight-mile run today. And it was planned for a specific time, and my child's birthday party is also scheduled for that time. If I choose to go do that eight-mile run as opposed to do going to the, uh, the kid's birthday party, well, then that's a problem. Because my question to somebody like that is, are you being paid to do that? Are you a professional athlete? Is your income dependent upon your ability to run? And if the answer to that is no, well, then you might want to look at that and ask yourself whether it's a problem or not. And I know people like that. I know people that have no social life because of workout schedules that they have. And so you might want to take a look at that and ask yourself if that's a problem. So now, but uh, for, for today's example, what I want to walk through, because I want to, I want to walk through a test that has some, some questions and we'll discuss these things. It, it's going to be based around alcohol because many of the people that come to me, that's their pre- presenting issue is alcohol. So uh, let's just talk about that. Well, I always get asked, Mike, is this a problem? Am I an alcoholic or is my husband, is my wife, is my boyfriend, girlfriend an alcoholic? And I've covered this before, but the simple answer to that is I can't answer that for you. But I am going to say that it's interesting that you came to me with the question. Because if you came to me with the question, that means that that substance, in this case alcohol, is a problem for you. And it is a problem for the person that you're talking about. Otherwise, we would not even be having that conversation. And I know that that's a very simple answer. And it's not really an answer, but it is an answer at the same time. Ask yourself, do normal social drinkers have that conversation? If you were a normal social drinker, in other words, if you were somebody that had one drink a day or less or drank a few times a year, would you go to somebody like me and ask that question? Would you go to uh, uh, your friends and your family and ask if they have noticed about noticed irregularities in your loved one's drinking? Would you even ask the question? And my stance on this is, if it's a problem for you, then it's a problem. You don't need to come to me for my advice on that. The fact that it's a problem for you, by definition, makes it a problem. So just ask yourself that. And, and if your loved one has tried to stop and can't stop or they won't stop even though it's a problem for you or other people in the family and children then you have to say well then it's it's likely a problem because they are willing to take this substance or this activity over giving it up for people that deeply care about them and so i hope that makes sense right there that's kind of the the litmus test 
And when I go through the test, and we are going to talk about the MAST test today, which is a simple questionnaire that can be taken, and it's very common for people to take this questionnaire when they go into treatment centers, I want you to listen to some of the questions that are asked in in the uh, the MAST questionnaire, because I think that it it really is descriptive of what we're talking about. It's very simple. And if you're not familiar with the MAST test, it's called the Michigan Alcohol Screening Test, or the MAST. And it was developed in 1971. And I like it, and it's also one of the oldest and most accurate alcohol screening tests available. And it, uh, pretty, it's pretty effective in identifying dependent drinkers with up to 98% accuracy. And I, and I like the questions on this thing. And you'll, you'll see where a lot of these questions parallel some of the things that I just talked about. So listen to some of the questions. So um, the first one is, do you feel you are a normal drinker? Right. So this is the person, if they were coming into a treatment center or seeing a counselor, they, they're asking them, do you think that you are a normal drinker? And oftentimes, if people are being honest with themselves, the answer to that is going to be no. Well, how about this? Have you ever awakened in the morning after drinking the night before and found that you could not remember a part of the evening? You know, so that would be a partial blackout. You do understand that normal social drinkers don't have blackouts at all. So if you are experiencing this, then this means that uh, you, you overdid it, and the chances are you're doing this on a regular basis. So does anybody, and does any near relative or close friend ever worry or complain about your drinking? Again, all of these questions are through the prism of do normal social drinkers even have these questions asked of them or ask themselves? Now, the next one is really the, the, the censure for people. And I want you to hear from me some of the responses that I get from people, and, th- and that is this. Can you, stop drinking without, uh, uh, d- can you stop drinking without difficulty after one or two drinks? Well, we know the answer to that. We know that people with a drinking problem do not have an off switch. You know, I did not have an off switch. I had an on switch. And there's a a biochemical and a physiological reason why that is. And I've talked about that before. And that is that as alcohol breaks down in the body, it goes from alcohol and then eventually leaves the body uh, as carbon dioxide. But before you get there, there's a middle process, and and it's known as uh, acetaldehyde. It's a state that alcohol is in. And for the normal social drinkers out there, if you're genetically wired correctly, your body will cause you to stop drinking at that point because alcohol is toxic. It's toxic in your system. And if you're wired normally, your body should shut down and purge the alcohol in your body because it is a toxin to your system. But for those that have the genetic predisposition to addiction, and in this case alcoholism, it's the exact opposite. Your your body tells your brain that this is a good thing and that you need more, and the more the better. And that's why uh, there's a common phrase in 12-step groups, and that is that it's not the 100th drink that kills you, it's the first drink that kills you. Because once you pick up that first drink, you don't know where you're going to stop. And that's a sign that you have that genetic predisposition. Do you ever feel guilty about your drinking? Okay. Again, we're not talking about once or twice in your life, you know, on a New Year's Eve. We're talking about on um, just as a general rule 
Uh, do you feel guilty about it? Do you feel guilty about the fact that you're not attending family obligations? Are you uh, not going to the games? You're not going to the birthday parties. You're not doing the social events. You're not in the hobbies that you used to be. And does that make you feel guilty? So that's a good question. And I love the next one. Have you ever attended a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous? Now, I want you to listen to that question. It's not asking you if you are a member and you go on a regular basis. It's saying, have you ever attended a alcoholic, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting? The reason why that question is in there is because we all know, and if you're listening to me and you're someone that is struggling with this issue, you know this as well. That before you went to your first AA meeting, and I mean the first one, the fact is you'd been thinking about it for quite some time. And if the truth were told, there were people around you that were thinking about it and maybe even told you that you should be going to an AA meeting. And we all know that by the time you go to an AA meeting, if there was something else you could have done that would have worked, you would have done it. Because AA meetings are like the last stop on the, on, the, on the train ride. It's that last stop. And when you get to the point where you decide that you're going to go, it's been a thought for a long time. So if you pulled the trigger on it and you went to that first meeting, you have to ask yourself, do normal social drinkers do that? And the answer is no. Now, uh, I will tell you that if you get into AA and you work it and you work the steps and you work the program and you do it thoroughly and you're honest with yourself – there's a very high success rate. Now, you're going to read a lot of people, a lot of literature that's going to tell you that meetings don't work, and that's not the case. The case is that people who don't work the program, it doesn't work for, but they are the issue. It's not the program that's the issue. They are the issue. So have you ever gotten into physical fights when drinking? That's a clue, you know, because... Uh, if we get to the point where we're having physical fights, particularly as adults, that's a very dangerous thing to do. We can not only get physically hurt or hurt someone else and get sued, but you can do jail time. And again, if that's something that you only do when, when you're drinking, then that's a, that's a good question to ask yourself. Has drinking ever created problems between you and a near relative or close friend? And if that's caused by drinking, then that's a good question. Has any family member or close friend gone to anyone for help about your drinking? I know that was the case with me. And this is another sign that what you are doing is affecting your personal relationships. That is a key marker, a key indicator that what you are doing is a problem and that it needs to be addressed. Have you ever lost friends because of your drinking? It's similar to the previous question that we had. Have you ever gotten into trouble at work because of drinking? Right? So we went from our social circles to our social obligations. Now we're talking about work in our professional life. Has your habit affected your uh, prof uh, professional performance? And, and if, you're, if you're drinking heavily, if you're drinking alcoholically, your entire world is going to be affected by this. It's not just one or two areas. You know, I, I love the term. Uh, when I say love it, I really actually hate the term. I'm, I'm saying this sarcastically. Uh, I hear people say to me all the time, particularly when they're new and coming to the program, they like to qualify their drinking. And they say, well, I'm a functional alcoholic. I hear that. And I, and I hate that because there's no such thing. If you are drinking excessively it affects every aspect of your life every aspect you don't you can't pigeonhole it 
you can't say, well, I'm functioning 100% at work. Now, my, my family life's falling apart. My marriage is falling apart. But, I, but I'm 100% at work. No, no, you're, you're not. You may think that. And you may get by with this for a while. And I've talked about this in, in previous podcasts. And that is that uh, don't think for a minute that people you work with are not aware that you have a drinking problem. Them saying something to you about it and them recognizing you have a problem are two very different issues. But you keep it up and it progresses because addiction is a progressive disease. They will say something about it eventually, and that's if they're nice to you. They may just flat out fire you before you get to that point. Um, and then the next one is, have you ever lost a job because of your drinking? Have you ever neglected your obligations, family, or work for two or more days in a row because of your drinking? And so we covered that before. Again, you're, you're missing those obligations, those life obligations, those things in our lives that make our life full. You're missing those things. Do you drink before noon fairly often? And I'm not talking about the occasional special event or, you know, wedding that you went to or uh, there, there, there's culturally there's something that you have to go to and you have a drink before noon. I'm talking about somebody that has to. And, and oftentimes what happens is people have to drink before noon and that because they have to uh, quell their nerves, they have to, they're suffering from delirium tremens, shaking and things like that. And that's why people start to drink earlier and earlier and earlier. If you're, if you're wondering why people do that, that's why, because they are starting to withdraw from alcohol, which can be dangerous and it's very uncomfortable. So people start drinking earlier in order to quell that. Um, then you get into the physical side, and that is, have you ever been told that you have liver trouble, such as cirrhosis? Cirrhosis of the liver, uh, very, very much connected to alcoholism. After heavy drinking, have you ever had delirium tremens, or shaking, visual, or auditory hearing hallucinations? That's a sign that you're going through alcohol withdrawal, and you're doing that because you're alcohol dependent. Have you ever gone to anyone for help about your drinking? Again, normal social drinkers don't do that. Have you ever been hospitalized because of drinking? That's in the same vein. Has your drinking ever resulted in being hospitalized in a psychiatric ward? In a psychiatric ward. There's a phrase in um, an AA where people talk about this, that it, we will, if you keep drinking, you'll end up in jails, institutions, and then finally death. Jails, institutions, and finally death. And if somebody has put you into a psychiatric ward because of your drinking, then that's a big clue. And I, and I tell you, I, I actually, it's amazing how uh, deceptive alcoholism can be with people because I've taken a number of people uh, to psychiatric hospitals and then they come out of the hospital and still look me in the eye and say that they don't have a problem. Remember, this is a, a disease of the brain as well. And this is the only disease that we know of that actually tells you that you don't have it. And I think that when you get to that point, then um, then that, that's really a sign that alcohol has really taken over your life, your life and you can't see what's going on. Have you ever gone to any doctor, social worker, clergyman, or mental health clinic for help with any emotional problem in which drinking was part of the problem? So you sought out counseling. Have you been arrested more than once for driving under the influence of alcohol? And then finally, have you ever been arrested or detained by an official for a few hours because of other behavior while drinking. And so those are the questions. I want to talk a little bit more about that. And um, 
you know, as you know, we have a, a new sponsor, and and I and I really want to talk to you about them because you know this this episode is sponsored by FHE Health, and FHE FHE Health has been providing life changing behavioral health services for more than twenty years. They treat substance abuse and mental health disorders in an individualized and comprehensive approach, recognizing the specialized treatment needs of the first responder community. They've created Shatterproof a dedicated program for law enforcement, fire rescue, and similar communities to receive treatment among peers. They're experienced in providing privacy and working with unions for employment. FHE Health is committed to providing the best care experience for patients, for their families, and for our community. Learn more at FHEHealth.com. That's FHEHealth.com. And they're a really good group of people, and they can help you in any way that you need. So, Guys, I've been going through the, the MAST test, and those are questions that you can ask yourself. Now, what's interesting is if you score more than a six on that, a point scale of six, then that means that you need to seek out some sort of uh, treatment or counseling. And that's not real high. Now, again, if you are out there and you are wondering whether you need help, the simple answer is you need help. If you have to ask that, that question, I want you to really think about your relationship with alcohol or any other substance, because I could put in prescription drugs, illegal drugs, marijuana. Yes, I said marijuana, even though people are moving to legalize this all over the country. Uh, but I'm going to tell you there's a lot of people in treatment centers due to their use of, of marijuana. And I want you to ask yourself, um, why am I listening to this podcast? Why am I thinking about this? Why is this a question? Why am I struggling with this? If you are struggling with it, then what you are doing is something that is starting to come into your life and take over your life. And if you keep going with the progression of addiction, it will, in fact, eventually take your life. Now, the bonus with addiction is that before it takes your life, it will remove everything, everyone, that you hold dear, everything and everyone that you hold dear, then it will take your life. Now, this is the disease that actually can be put into remission, 100%, 100% guaranteed it can be put into remission if you follow certain steps and certain recommendations. You can put addiction into remission, but it begins with complete and total abstinence. And you might think, well, that's frightening. I can't do that. I, I can't go through life without drinking or the drugs that I have. You know, I, I can't do that. Well, the, the fact is that you can, and a lot of people do. I, I do that. And your life will get not 100% better. It will get a 1,000% better, and I guarantee you that. So I, I was the reason why I went through this exercise today is because I was asked this question again this weekend, and I'm, I'm asked this question quite a bit. You know, do I have a drinking problem? Do I have a drug problem? Well, these questions that I just went through, I think, uh, are really a simple answer to that, and it begins with, why is this a concern of yours? And if it's a concern of yours or somebody close to you, then it's something that you need to take a very serious look at and really start to consult with people that know what they're talking about and have walked the same walk that you have walked, had that same journey, and found a way to get out of the dark depths that they got into, because it is possible. 
Hence the name of this entire podcast, which is Recovery is Possible, because it is possible. And so this episode's been sponsored by FHE Health again. According to SAMHSA, first responders are 30% more likely to develop behavioral health conditions like PTSD. FHE Health specializes in getting first responders better and cleared for duty. Find out more at FHEHealth.com. That's FHEHealth.com. And again, guys, this podcast is brought to you um, is a way to really serve the community and help the people that uh, really need the help that's out there, also help the family and loved ones. And um, I don't represent any group, even though I talk about groups here. And what I mean by not representing groups, I mean uh, AA or uh, Minnesota Method or uh, Smart Recovery or any other group, um, Al-Anon or others. Uh, th- those uh, groups come up, we, we talk about them, but we really talk about all of the groups and all the groups that can help you. And if any one of these groups uh, helps you, then fantastic. Then then follow that that method. I'm just talking about very different theories, and part of my job is to educate you on what is out there and what's available to you. So we don't represent any of these groups. My only purpose in giving this information is to share with you what I've done because it's helped me, and maybe it's going to help you too. So if I've said something that doesn't apply to you or you don't agree with, then just discard it, but try to use something that you can walk away with uh, that is is helpful. So with that place, please visit my Facebook page which is Recovery is Possible, and our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know if there's a topic that you're interested in hearing. I'd love to hear more from you. And so take care, guys, and I will see you next time.